Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara via Zoom today. And I should state right up front that we are uh, pre-recording this show. So no no callers today. Uh, if you have any questions uh, about the show, give us a, uh, you can uh, shoot us an email, questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. And maybe this is, maybe it's good that we're pre-recording this one, Dad, because we have uh, a tax show coming up and we are not accountants. So let's, let's do uh, full disclosures here. Well, that means so our kind of accountant couldn't call and correct us because we're That's doing the right. show. We don't want any live, well, and, and admit, yeah, that and uh, maybe any live, uh, live calls with questions that we maybe can't answer. So, well, again, uh, no- yeah, the other side of that is we can't ask accountants to call to check on, right? <laughs> yeah, we can't. We're going to we get can't do a live call for help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we are again. It's so we're going to do a, a tax show. It's going to be mostly an investment show for obvious reasons because we're investment folks. Uh, but given that it is the tax time of year, uh, we thought we would use that as a chance to go through uh, some tax numbers, talk about some tax documents, and and uh, I think spend most of the time uh, on. On tax strategy, which is really where we get more involved with our clients. Obviously, we don't, you know, we, we're not doing tax returns and, uh, you know, we're not the people that you would call about, you know, the specifics of deductions and all that fun stuff. But uh, we certainly get involved with strategy specifically as it relates to uh, to your investments. And so uh, we're going to do a show on that. We'll go, go, we'll go through uh, the different forms and the different uh, tax documents that you're likely to get. And along the way, uh, we'll stop for some discussion about about some uh, about some bigger picture topics, which is I think where we're more helpful. Is that that a pretty good intro? Uh, yeah, and I, I guess I'll uh, give a heads up to our listening audience that generally speaking, taxes and tax discussions are boring as mud, and I apologize for that, <laughs> and the folks. But we're going to try to make it like at least in English. Uh, but but yeah. so you know you might get bored, but you know the the thing about taxes is they're scary. I every time I hear income tax, I get scared personally. So so folks, if if you're listening to the show, okay, your motivation is that you're afraid that you pay too much in taxes or something will happen. So fear is a good motivator to stay, att- to stay tuned for 
next couple hours. We promise we'll say a few intelligent things that might save you a few bucks or at least get you out of trouble. Yeah. Okay? Oh, yeah. And I think, you're, you know, you're drawing a distinction calling taxes boring. But, hey, it's not like our average show is uh, is all that riveting. Right. Hey, how much how much more boring than investments is it? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Greed versus fear. That's how I'd categorize taxes and investing. Okay. Yes. Anyway. Okay. So, uh, all right, let's go through, uh, let's start, let's start this off. So I, you know, I have a few, uh, I have a few documents that I'm just going to run through here and, uh, you know, a lot of them are pretty generic stuff that you can find online. Uh, but I will go through them all. And, and, uh, as we go here, uh, we'll stop for the occasional comment. Um, so I'm looking at, uh, it's a key numbers, from 2021, uh, I just happened to find this online, and, and it's a sort of an aggregation of all the tax uh, of all the tax stuff that came out in 2021. Uh, all right, we'll start with uh, income tax rates, and uh, you know I'll just briefly run through. I, I won't run through the whole thing, and I'm going to use a married filing jointly, right? I don't want to spend the entire show, uh, you know, calling out numbers and where you know where the income tax brackets lie. That would be a little bit dry. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it down. I won't do you know, obviously there, there are, you know, there are four different uh, sort of sets of tax brackets. There's your single, your married filing jointly, your married filing separately and, and the head of household. And uh, we'll, we'll probably focus on the, uh, the married filing jointly because I think it's the most common one. Uh, and so, you know, if you are married filing jointly, uh, your taxable income up to $19,900 uh, is not taxed. Okay. Uh, once you get over that 19, uh, that over that 19, um, I'm sorry, the taxable income. Uh, no, that's a great start. We have to have a great good start. start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I do this for a living? No. Uh, so taxable income uh, up to $19,900 is at 10%, right? So tax, you know, taxable income, obviously, if it's taxable, then there is a tax rate and it's up to 10%. Yeah. And by the way, that, that's after a $24,000 deduction too, right? That's right, which we'll get into, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah okay. the, the taxable income is Ta- yeah. is what you are taxed on and it's after all of your uh, all of your deductions are taken. So things like, you know, your, your gross income is what you make in the year. And then there are a series of deductions, maybe your retirement plan deduction for your 401k or for your IRA. And then you do have a standard or itemized deductions, which we'll get into in just a bit. But yeah, so this is, this is the taxable income numbers. After again, you did that stuff, basically. Yeah. After okay. you did that stuff. Yeah. Okay, good. And uh, again, so up to 19,900 is at 10%. Uh, again, this married filing jointly. And then from 19,900 to 81. 050 is at 12%. So if you're married filing jointly and you make up to uh, $81,050, you're taxed at, at the 12% tax rate. And then, you know, the the next jump is a pretty substantial one, right? So once you get over that 81, 8150, you jump fully up into the 22% tax bracket. All right. So, you know, I think that's maybe the first place that we should stop for a little bit of a discussion is there are a few places in the tax code uh, with with regards to the, you know, your your marginal tax bracket that uh, where the jumps are sort of pretty substantial. And this, you know, the 12 to the 22 is, uh, you know, is the is the largest jump in all the marginal rates. And, you know, it's one that we sort of we pay attention to because it happens to be, you know, taxable income of around eighty thousand dollars is not all that uncommon, right? So if, you know, if, you know, with your deductions, that's a family making somewhere in the $100,000 range, that's going to be right around that tax, uh, that taxable income level of, of about $80,000. Okay. Um, should I well, actually, you know, should I, should I go back and break? So the, the way that, you know, just, just so uh, people know the way that taxes work is it's, the system is you you go up to that $19,000 and everything is taxed at 10% and then every other step that you take you add on the tax rate of 12%, right? So just because your highest marginal tax bracket, right? If you're making uh over uh $628,300 as a married couple, your marginal rate is at 37%. That's the highest tax rate, but not all of your income is taxed at 37%, right? Every every different step has a has a tax rate of to it. And so, you know, your first chunk is taxed at 10, your next chunk is taxed at 12, and then you jump to the 
22. I didn't, I didn't explain that uh, out front. So I thought I'd, I'd back up for that one. Yeah. And folks, if you don't happen to be married filing jointly, well, the numbers might not apply, but the, certainly the ideas and the concepts do. And it's not like you couldn't go check out your own situation after listening to us here. So stay tuned. Yes. Okay. Now, now back to our example. Um, we, so the, the tax rate, you know, that, that 12 to 22% jump, A, it's the biggest jump in the code, right? It goes, it goes 12, 22, 24, 32, 35, 37. That 10% rate is, is relatively important. And I think we're going to, you know, we're going to catch up with it uh, down the line on, on a bunch of our discussions. And one of it, one of which is, well, if you can avoid making over $81,000 per year, then you're you're pretty well incented to do so, right? I mean, if you're if you if your taxable income is eighty five thousand dollars, that last four thousand dollars and change is taxed at twenty two percent, whereas everything before that was taxed at either ten uh, or twelve percent. So this is this you know it's it's a good opportunity for you to take a look at your specific tax situation and say, well, hey, you know what what's you know if I run my taxes this year, what what's my income, right? Oh. Uh, it looks like I'm uh, I'm making ninety thousand dollars in taxable income. That means my last ten grand, give or take, is going to be taxed, uh, you know, to the tune of about twenty two hundred dollars on at the federal level. And is there is there anything I can do with that? Right? You know, are, am I am I saving enough inside of my four hundred one k? You know, can I do an IRA contribution? And at the same time. Uh, you know, you, you can look at, you know, what, if you're saving in a Roth IRA, well, is it appropriate to do the Roth IRA, given the fact that if I did a, you know, if I did a deductible, I'd save 22%, right? So there's, I think you, we want to, you know, get through people's, uh, get into people's consciousness where you are on the, on the taxable income range. And then, you know, there may be things that you can do, right? You, you know, you may be sitting right squarely in the middle of, uh, of one of the tax brackets, right? I mean, if you're, if you're making $140,000 per year in taxable income, income, there's, you know, you, you don't really have an opportunity because you're, you're very, very far from the 12% bracket and, and also from the, you know, the next bracket up of 24%. And so there's not maybe as much opportunity. Whereas if you're closer to uh, one of those breakpoints, there may be something that you can look at. Yeah. As long as you don't decide to work less and make less money, folks, that's not, that's not a good, you know, that's not a good way to approach it. It's try to find an deduction or two. That's quite legal. We don't want to incentivize people to make less money, Justin, not a good plan. We do have people that get that question. Yeah. And you're not, you're not joking, but we do get that question, right? I'm not joking. You know that, right? Right, yeah. Everybody. <laughs> we say right. So you know. So, so let's just you know take the example of someone who does make eighty thousand dollars. Right. Your your taxable income is eighty thousand dollars. We we've literally heard questions. Well, hey, you know, uh, you know, and maybe it's one spouse who's not working. Well, if I go and I get a part time job, you know, I'm I'm gonna jump. We're gonna we're gonna have a higher tax rate. And so you know, oh it's, my not gosh. Even, it's not even worth it for me to, <laughs> to go back to work, is it? Right. Yeah. And this is something that you know I don't know how, I don't know how this gets out there, but uh, we're gonna correct it now because. We, we sort of, we get the question often enough to where, no, you get to keep, you get to keep, uh, even if you, if you jump from the 12 to the 22% tax bracket, you still get to keep 78, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, by the way, but one of the things we want to make clear here is if you're in a high tax bracket, that's, that's cause for congratulations, folks. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, would you ra- rather earn a million dollars and pay taxes or earn a hundred thousand dollars and pay taxes? No, no contest to uh, smile and pay the more taxes in the million because you got to keep more. So we're not distant. You know, we're not uh, discouraging folks from earning money or being in high tax brackets. If you are, congratulations. That's what I say. Sorry about that beep, Jess. Okay. Or as you know, my phone is my phone is right next to me, and I, I'm realizing it's Friday here, so I'm likely to get a call. I'll see if I can silence this baby. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So you know, j- just briefly through the rest of the brackets, uh, up to 100, so 81 in change, up to 172,000 is the 22 percent tax bracket, and then you have uh, 172 thousand dollars to 329 is the 24% tax bracket uh three tw- you know th- then there's another jump right so we went from 12 to 22 and then 22 to 24 uh, there's another jump at 329,851 to uh 32% and then it goes 32 35 and 37 i won't go into the, the specific numbers of all that but but again there th- there's there are other breakpoints and i i guess i want to stop briefly maybe at the uh, at the 22 and the 24% bracket, you know, that, that, those are sort of other 
fairly common brackets that we'll see, right? So we, we see people that are in that uh, in that 80 to 170 range. And at that point, you, you know, you, you can have similar discussions about, you know, what do I do with my distributions? So, so we, I was talking to a client the other day, uh, who happened to be, you know, in the 22% tax bracket. And we regularly will go out and, and we make projections and we talk to CPAs and say, well, Hey, is, you know, here's, uh, here's our client's tax situation and what can we do? Uh, what opportunities and what risks do we have with regards to the future? Right. Because as you, as you project into the future, and I know we'll get into this more and you know, more as we go on the show, tax brackets change, right? Because income changes, right? You, you know, you, you may make more money. If you're retired, you may, you may take social security, Security. Uh, if you're 72, you may have required minimum distribution starting. Uh, if you if you run out of money in your taxable account, you may have to go and grab money from an IRA or from an annuity, and all of those are subject to change your tax rate, right? I mean, if you're if you're pulling fifty thousand dollars out of your out of your joint taxable account for income, and you run out of money, well, now you may need to go someplace else to get that money, and now you're pulling fifty thousand dollars from an IRA, but oops, you know, you need to pay taxes on that. So maybe you're pulling out 70,000 and that 70,000 may jump you an, an additional tax bracket, right? So you want to pay, that's, that's just something else you want to pay attention to with regard to the tax side of things is, is, you know, A, where are you now, but also where are you likely to be in the future? And, and just, in, you know, this is just a, an example we had, um, you know, we, we had it with a, uh, with a CPA and we have a client who is likely to run out of money in a taxable account. And when that happens, she is going to have to take money out of an IRA account or actually an annuity account. And that is going to jump her taxable income. But in, in her case, the jump would, was not likely to bump her up a bracket. And even if it did, it would be from the 22 to the 24. And so we had a discussion about, well, hey, um, you know, does it make sense to accelerate any income to try to keep them in a lower tax bracket to try to stay in that lower bracket? And the answer was no, because there really wasn't a whole lot of downside to do it because of where her tax brackets lie. So I think something else to, to think about is, you know, pay attention to where your bracket is now, but also, you know, make some projections as best you can about where you are in the future, right? It's, it's easier if you're a financial advisor and you have a, a software program that, that looks forward and, and tells you, you know, makes guesses about the future of your tax situation. But um, most folks, I think, can do it. Hey, Dustin, what percentage of Americans do you think know, actually know what tax bracket they're in? I don't know. Do you know this? No, I don't. You're always doing research and and giving me quizzes. I'll I'll bet it's low, but that's okay. Yeah. Which is part, that's part of the confusion the government likes to to make for you folks. So that whatever, I'll leave that alone, but you should know this stuff, folks. That's a good story. You might not be able to do much about it, but you should know about it. Okay. Yeah. I'll cop to it off. I mean, I, off the top of my head, I wouldn't have just known that I would, I can, you know, I can go through and, 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 you know, think about it, but yeah, I don't, uh, I wouldn't, it's not something I would have been able to answer in five seconds if you asked me. So yeah. And by the way, not a lot of folks. Yeah. And on that subject and same kind of question, uh, there's probably not a whole lot of people listening to us that knows the exact dollar amount of that they paid in federal taxes or mass taxes last year. They might know that they got a refund or they might know that they had to pay $2,000, but yeah. their actual tax bill, uh, I'll bet you there's a not large percentage of folks who don't know that number. And if you did, it would probably scare the heck out of you. But but that's just part of the confusion about taxes that we're trying to help with here. That's all. Okay. Uh, how are we doing on time? You know, I'm, I'm realizing that you have the timer over there. What's what are we looking like? Seven minutes and 12 seconds to go. Okay. All right, good. We can keep going here. Uh, okay. Uh, let's move on to the standard deduction. Maybe we should have started with a standard deduction and, and itemized deductions, right? So uh, when we did some tax reform back in 2018, I think it was, um, they made some changes to uh, what's called the standard deduction, right? And so now when you file your taxes, just like before, you can make it, you, you can choose to take what's called the standard deduction, which is just a, a deduction that everybody gets. Uh, right now, if you're a single person, it's $12,550. If you're married filing jointly, it is $25,100. Uh, and if you are a head of household, uh, you it's $18,800. Um, if you are age 65 plus, 
you get an additional uh, $1,700 for your standard deduction, right? So, you know, for, for, a, for a married couple, when you when you run your taxable and when you run your gross income, you then get to take a standard deduction of twenty five thousand dollars unless your itemized deductions add up to more than that twenty five thousand one hundred dollars, in which case you can take the itemized deductions. And, and you know, I think for, for most folks, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this. For most folks now, the vast majority, most people do not itemize any longer. It's usually, it's mostly, I would say, probably higher income taxpayers who have who have more larger deductions. But um, there are very few people now who actually do itemize. And, you know, there are a few reasons for that. One is um, because, you know, you know, mortgages up to only mortgages only up to $750,000 are allowed as far as interest deductibility, right? I mean, in the old days, you could deduct all of your interest on multiple homes. And if you had, you know, if you had $15,000 in mortgage interest, plus, uh, you know, a couple, you know, property taxes of, you know, 10 or 12 grand a year, then you were going to be itemizing, right? Because the old standard deduction was significantly lower. Um, at this point, most people don't itemize. And the reason is because, uh, you know, state and local tax deductions are now capped at $10,000 a year. And so in order to jump up over that 25000 25, you have to have a significant amount of mortgage interest on a, on a relatively large uh, on a relatively large mortgage, or and uh, you know maybe some uh, medical expenses, which are which are only deductible over seven and a half percent of income. So you know the, what you get is most people are just taking that standard deduction. Okay, yeah, and, and what you get is that uh, the government keeps on inflicting uh, flesh wounds to richer folks by taking nickels and <laughs> nickels and dimes away from them all over the place. And yeah, the, but that's correct. Yep, exactly correct. My- <laughs> For most people listening to us, it's pretty simple. You earn some money. You subtract what you put in a retirement plan. And if you're married, you take away 25,000 bucks and presto, that's probably what your taxable income is. It's, it's, it's very, very simple compared to what it used to be, Justin. I've been doing this for 40 years. It's profoundly simple for most of us folks. And for most of us, there's no place to hide or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But by the way, one I, other thing. I forgot my- to- Go ahead. I'm getting excited, Justin. Okay. In my in my outline, I I thought. See, I thought you were going to jump in with a political comment on the tax rate on the tax no, no. rate part of this. You know, no, 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 said, no, no, no. <laughs> but you you held your tongue for for a good ten minutes anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, by the way, what, one other thought ahead. <laughs> as long as we're taking a sidebar here, so uh, so folks, you need to keep in mind that accountants are heavily focused on saving you tax dollars, and financial advisors are heavily focused heavily focused on making you pay tax dollars in the form of gains on your investments. <laughs> there's a there's a yin and a yang there, but th- th- think about that, folks. When if somebody calls up and complains that they had a big tax bill because of their investments, we congratulate them, and you don't want to lose lose sight of that, folks. You, you really don't. Keep it in perspective. Yeah. One you know one more thing that I just wanted to you know I wanted to run by that we we don't hear as much anymore. Uh, you know do you know you remember the in the old days we would have the discussion about uh, oh I should have a mortgage maybe because. Uh, for the tax deductions, that is my that is the neighbors. My my kids are uh, my kids are out of the house, and the neighbors are are knocking for. Uh to hopefully get my kids out to play, but they're not here. So you'll have to pardon the knocking here, everybody. Hey, uh, COVID, COVID, uh, COVID. Is, is the fault of this, Justin, Some, right? Someday we'll be back in the studio. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, you know, you know, we don't hear anymore is, oh, hey, I need, uh, you know, I need, I need a mortgage so I can get those deductions, right? You remember the, remember the good old days when we would well, have that discussion about, well, if I have a mortgage at 5%, I get to deduct all that interest, right? Yeah. Well, I could remember my flip response to anybody who ever thought that was a good idea. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do what? Okay. <laughs> so there is no, yeah. And again, that's again, most people aren't deducting their interest any longer. And so we don't hear, we don't hear that uh, quite as much. Uh, all right. So, you know, sort of briefly, one of the discussions that we do have around the, uh, the new standard deduction is uh, charitable giving has sort of lost its 
you know, for, for a lot of people, it's lost its deductibility, at least in, in the case of just, you know, giving cash to a charity, right? So if you, you know, if you write a check for, uh, you know, $100 to, to St. Jude's in the old days, pre-2018, most people would would track that. You know, I know you still generally get the tax document at the end of the year and, the, you know, sort of that giving statement where they said, you know, here's your receipt for, uh, you know, for giving us $100. Those used to be tax deductible for most people. And now, generally speaking, they are not, um, you know, because because of the standard deduction that probably isn't going to make a difference on your taxes. And so if you're giving substantial amount, you know, there, there are some, you know, the, the strategy here, if you do want to make your gifts count is to potentially bulk your give, charitable giving uh, and just, you know, do it maybe over, you know, maybe do one, maybe do two or three or even four or five years of charitable giving in one calendar year. And in doing so, you might be able to jump up over that uh, over that 25,500, right? I mean, if you're, if your state taxes are 25 are, are $10,000 a year, and then your mortgage interest is, uh, is another 10 grand a year. Well, you're still, you're still well below that standard deduction. So it, you know, it still makes sense for you to take it as opposed to itemize. But if you think of, you know, if, if you then give a couple grand a year to various charities, whether it's, you know, whether it's your church or, or, or whatever, you know, or the nature conservancy or whatever, you, wherever you're giving, well, if it's two grand a year, it's not going to matter in any year. But if you front load it, then you might be able to jump up over it, right? I mean, if you, you know, in this in this example, if you uh, do, uh, there's the duck, Justin. Well, you got 25 seconds to sign off. Okay, 25 uh, seconds. By I the will. way, it, it, to bulk to bulk those over five years is ten thousand dollars. And how many people can afford to do that and pay tuitions while they're at it? You know, right. what I mean? so yeah, not- yeah. I mean, again, and again, you know, most people I think give the charity not for the tax reason. Yeah, I did want to make you know make a point that if you're close, right? I mean, a lot of folks aren't close, but if you're if you're relatively close, then maybe it's maybe it's two years, right? Or maybe maybe you give five grand to charity as opposed to uh, you know as opposed to one, and you know that's just an opportunity. But I think we should sign off here, and so we will be right back. And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside uh, via Zoom and pre-recording today, uh, Michael McNamara. You still with us? Yeah, I'm getting tired of this virtual stuff personally, but hey. It I is, know. You know. I miss you. You miss a real microphone? Yeah, I do. And I miss saying hello to Cindy in the, in the studio and, you know, going into the big city Lowell and uh, doing oh, yeah. all good stuff, you know? Uh, so we are pre-recording today. Um, and, you know, we good for us. Uh, we're doing a tax show. Again, we are not uh, we are not accountants, but we are going to go through some tax numbers, try to get you ready for taxes, and then uh, talk mostly about what you want to think about along uh, the way. This is not going to be a, necessarily a tax tips show. It's going to be more, um, you know, it'll be more big picture, uh, although we are going to go through. Um, you know, sort of what you can expect and what you're going to need to to file those taxes. So, um, again, we're pre-recording. If you have any questions uh, on this or any other topic, you can shoot us an email. It's questions at McNamara on money. We are not live today on CAP or WATD. So, uh, okay. So let me just, you know, just briefly, uh, because I was uh, in the middle of a a point on charitable giving, uh, we do uh, you know, one of the strategies around charitable giving now that that the standard deduction is so high is if you are going to give to charity, it might make sense for you uh, to to sort of bulk those bulk those that giving up, and that way you get more of a you know you get more tax bang for your buck uh, on on what you are going to give. And again, that's just because the average person who gives to charity now is not uh, getting a tax deduction. It's just uh, it's just not the way it works because most people are taking that standard deduction. So uh, just take a look at where you are, right? I mean, you can figure out what your, uh, you know, what, what your potential itemized deductions are, right? Mostly just look at those, you know, state and local taxes. And then if you have a mortgage or mortgage interest, see where you are and then, you know, do the math from, from $25,000. And, uh, you know, if you're close to it, 
maybe you want to bulk up those charitable contributions and and do you know two in one year and 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 none the next year, and that way you can get some additional uh, tax help for those contributions. All right. Yeah. And by the way, while we're at it, folks, it's okay to call your accountant not in April or March. You know, from right. time to time, if you have a tax question, I'm pretty sure your accountant was probably bored in the middle of May, would love a phone call. You know, yeah, just to kind of preemptive. We're working on stuff. So don't be shy about working with your tax person more than the once or twice you see a person a year. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, you know, to, when we are when we're strategizing with accountants, you're probably better off uh, doing it not this time of year, anyways. I mean, you know, the reason that we're doing this tax show, we, you know, we we would certainly prefer to have an accountant on doing this show with us. Uh, but uh, you know, unfortunately, when when taxes are topical, is when uh, is when accountants are the most busy. So, I don't think we've ever been able to get a an accountant on this show at tax time, just because the uh, the the strain they're under with all those returns. Uh, okay. Uh, I you know the next thing I'm is alternative minimum tax. The alternative minimum tax is at this point, um, it's not it, gone. It, it, it's basically, let me define this, Jess. If you're not paying enough taxes, we just found a way to make you pay more. That's, That's right. the alternative tax, right? The alternative minimum tax was a way <laughs> that, uh, was a way to catch people who had, who had significant deductions. Um, and you know, they, that was also reformed in 2018 and, and very, very few people now hit the alternative minimum tax. We would, we would run into it occasionally, I think in our practice where someone was actually paying the AMT. I don't, I actually don't know that we have anyone and it's, it's not come up in the past couple of years. So, uh, it's been reformed and very, very few people now pay the AMT. Uh, so probably not worth spending a whole bunch of time on. Uh, let's see, there's education credit. I don't think we'll spend too much. Well, I'll, I'll go over the, the credits and deduction for those of you who are um uh who are you know dealing with college at the moment um so there are you know there are a bunch of uh, credits that you that you can get uh, for education there's your lifetime learning credit uh you know if you're it's that that's the phase out for that is 119 to 139 if you're married filing jointly uh the american opportunity tax credit uh, the phase out for that is 160 to 180 married filing jointly and half of that for single um the education loan interest deduction is that you know th this is one that, that hits a bunch of people right so if you if you have college loans uh, they are potentially deductible uh, but that is that is uh, phased out right as well right it's it's the phase out is 140,000 to 170,000 uh, of modified adjusted gross income I'll we, maybe we'll take some time to define that later if we uh, if we run out of things to talk about but um, that's also phased out so higher income folks generally speaking don't get to you know don't get a potential deduction on their uh, on their student loan interests uh, but if you're in the 140 to 170 range married filing jointly or 70 to 85 um, then, uh, then you, you know, you may qualify for a deduction on your student loan interest. Okay. By the yeah. way, you, you folks with upper income, every time you were the, hear the word phase out in the tax code, it means they're reaching into your pocket more for more dollars. So just <laughs> want to be clear about that. You know, you're going to pay more. That's a matter of perspective. But okay. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, Anyway, we have a uh, progressive in income tax system. That's what is that what that's the right word, right? I would describe it as regressive, but that's <laughs> all right. it depends <laughs> on which end of the spectrum you sit on, my okay. son. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. So let's let's jump onto estate planning here. Uh, so the annual gift tax exclusion, which is one that we talk about on a fairly regular basis, is uh, remains at fifteen thousand dollars. I think it's been at fifteen thousand dollars for a bunch of years now. But so the gift tax exclusion for you know if, if you're not familiar with it, this would take two hours to explain this, Josh. Well, you know that, right? Uh, okay. I hope not, because I maybe three. I don't know that much about it. Uh, <laughs> so you are per, the annual gift tax exclusion is the amount that you are permitted to give another person without. Uh, without tax consequences, right? And, and you know, when we talk about giving, um, people do generally confuse uh, tax. You know, the tax consequences. Uh, they are not real-time tax consequences, right? Well, you know, we'll relatively have, you know, maybe someone whose parents want to give them, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars because they, you know, they'd like to see their kids. Uh, you know, they want, you know, the old, you know, I want them to enjoy the money while I while I can watch them do it, as opposed to leave, you know, leave a large inheritance. Um, when yeah, don't get don't get your hopes up, Jess. When the, <laughs> this is 
a good, well, Hey, you know, you're, you're still in your early seventies. We'll, we'll talk, we'll talk in 10 years though. Huh? <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's the amount that you are able to give to another person without any tax consequence, right? Even if you get, if I, you know, if you give me $15,001, um, you're in big trouble, then, <laughs> yeah, then technically there is a potential tax consequence to that. You know, clearly, you know, to be clear, it's not, a real-time current tax consequence, right? So, you know, if you give me $100,000, you do not pay any taxes uh, in, in real time here and nor do I, right? Gifts are always sort of, are, are you know, are, are never taxed at the time of the gift. The only potential tax consequence is at death, right? So, you you know, you can only give away so much money, um, you know, the, the estate tax or the, or the death tax, as it's been called. Um, you're just, essentially, you get a credit for, uh, for leaving money to heirs when you die. And if you give more than that $15,000, you have to, you know, you're supposed to make a record of it and, uh, and you, you eat into that credit as, uh, as you go here, the, the gift, you know, the, as, as of now that, um, you know, that credit is, I think in, it's like, I think it's like 50, is it five, is it actually, no, is it 11, seven, 11 million, $700? Is that the single? I think it is. 11, five, I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so at a federal level, if you die with less than $11 million, then you're not going to be taxed anyways. And so, you know, for the, for the average person that this gift tax is not a major issue, um, it may come into play with, you know, with a state estate tax where in, here in Massachusetts, we have, you know, there's a $1 million state estate tax. Hey, Justin, can I do a dad picture, big picture example to make an example of this? Yeah. Right, you ready? Kind of, I am getting kind of detailed. Yeah, thanks. All right. Yeah, yeah. Just, you got you to back off. This is the radio. Okay. So, so folks, okay. So let's pretend you're a single person. Uh, you live in Massachusetts. Uh, you, you're, when you die between your house and your money, you're worth exactly a million dollars. Okay. And let's pretend for purposes of this example, you're on your deathbed and you got a few days to live. Okay. Uh, if, if uh, a long time ago, some people would say, well, wait a minute, I got a, I got a million dollars. I'm going to die next week. Probably I'm going to give it all away. Okay. Uh, and save taxes when I die. Okay. So, so it's perfectly legal today for that person to say, geez, if I gave away $15,000 of my money before I died, first of all, you're allowed to do that. That's the limit. Okay. Well then you're not worth a million dollars anymore. You're worth $15,000 less. And in Massachusetts, that means you have no estate tax. Okay. Or, or said differently, let's pretend you're worth a million dollars. You have, uh, you have, you're worth a million and $30,000 and you have two kids yep. perfectly, perfectly legitimate to give away 15 times two to each kid. Now you're under that estate tax, but you can't give more than that, or you got to file a report so the government can keep score about whether or not you get that credit for a million. If you go, you know, if you go $10,000 over the 15, when you yep. die, you don't have a credit for a million anymore. You have it for 990,000. Again, for most folks, it's not a big deal, but for folks in Massachusetts who are worth about a million bucks plus or minus, if you can afford to make some gifts and not change your lifestyle, it might be worth paying attention to. That's yes. all. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we do have that, you know, that's, that's sort of a regular discussion. And again, it's, you know, we, we try to, we have the discussion with our clients and their kids on a regular basis. And, you know, we, we generally uh, sometimes we're pulling people back and, you know, if, if you're in your mid seventies and you know, you're very, very financial, financially comfortable, then, you know, then maybe it's something you want to start early, but uh, just pay attention, you know, j just because uh, your estate is over a million dollars, if you live in Massachusetts and your, and your total estate is worth, you know, uh, $1.1 million, it's not necessarily a bad, you know, you, you don't need to rush to give away all your money, especially not if you're 75, right? You know, we, yeah. we you know, you, you of course want to pay attention to your long-term financial health. Um, but again, that, that's the number. And, you know, to be clear, I did not mention uh, it is per individual, right? So if you have, you know, so two spouses who have three kids, you know, can give away $30,000 per kid. So you could give away $90,000 per year without violating um, that annual gift tax exclusion. And again, yeah, it is a credit. Yeah. And to, and to be clear, folks, you could give away a hundred thousand. You just have to tell the government you did, Sap. Right. So 
take away the overage later on. It's yep. just an obligation to file, basically. Very right. confusing. When people would say, hey, I want to give $50,000 to my kid for mortgage. Can I do that? I said, sure. Well, well, well I can only give away 15. You, anybody can give anybody any amount of money they want. It's just right. that over 15 grand, you got to make a report. That's all. That's right. Yeah. And again, it, it may it may or may not affect you. You know, the, the top federal, you know, the, the, the federal gift tax exclusion is $11,700,000 uh, for 2021, which means if you if you die with an estate valued under $11,700,000, you don't pay any estate taxes. Again, that's at the federal level. Uh, but, you know, to be clear, that's also subject to change. Right. I mean, if you if you if you're giving away money because you're, you know, whatever state you live in doesn't have an estate tax or they link their estate tax to the to the federal estate tax. Well, you know, in, in those cases, it, it seems like you can give away all the money that you want. But again, just just to be clear, those numbers are subject to change. Uh, you know, the estate tax was increased significantly. Um, I, I don't know what tax reform that was, but uh, and it certainly it's something that's uh, looked at on a regular basis when we yeah. when we talk about tax reform in the future. So. Yeah, they're, they're talking about dropping it to 3.5 million per person. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, folks. What one more kind of non-tax related thing when you're giving away money to your kids, most likely or whatever. You know, make sure you can afford to do that. You know, right. uh, yeah. avoiding taxes, giving away money to avoid taxes. Well, if you can afford to, great. Okay, being nice to your kids and giving away money. Okay, great. But if you if you can't afford to do it for whatever reason, that, that's, sorry about that, and you may feel badly. But you know, don't don't go mess up the rest of your financial life because because you want to avoid taxes or be overly nice to your kids. That, that's the, the short story. I right. Guess. Yeah. And, and again, this is, this is the, we say this all the time, but when you're having a discussion with one professional, you want to make sure that you run it by your other professionals. Right. Yeah. So, you know, one occasion we'll have the, you know, we, we get a phone call and uh, someone says, well, Hey, you know, uh, you know, your, your estate is valued at, X and, you know, maybe it's time for, you know, that we give some money away to the kids or, or et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's, it, that may be a fine suggestion, but, you know, if you don't run that by your financial planner, they, you know, they may have a different answer about that. And, and I've, I've certainly had that discussion where, you know, an, an attorney has maybe suggested an annual gifting uh, program uh, and, you know, and, oh, the same thing with maybe some Medicaid planning, right? Oh, I'm going to give some money. I'm going to give some money away to my kids so I can avoid having it. Um, you know, I, I can avoid the, the government taking it if I end up in a nursing home. Well, that's all. That's all well and good if you can afford it, but but please do check with your advisor because I've had that conversation a few times where I've had to push back and say, well, hey, I'm I'm not sure they can really afford to do this, and it's probably not a great idea given their given their circumstances. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that's probably enough on estate taxes and gifting. Uh, all right. What's up next here? Oh, so retirement planning. I'll just run through these numbers again. These are for 2021. 401ks are $19,500. And for those of you who are 50 plus, uh, $6,500. Uh, the simple IRA uh, is at $13,500. And the catch-up is $3,000 for a total of sixteen dollars uh, Roth IRAs and, and traditional IRAs are still at $6,000 for this year with the catch-up of, uh, of $1,000. I don't think there's much on... Yeah, we, I don't think we need to stop there for anything unless you have any comments. Nope. All right. Uh, let's do... Okay. Uh, well, the, I'll, I'll run through this briefly. So... If you are, if you have a 401k, you know, you, you can do a traditional IRA and it is tax deductible. You know, I'm not, I'm going to skip that. That's pretty boring, isn't it? Um, and then let's, let, we always talk about Roth IRAs because they're a fairly, they're a fairly popular topic. So let's, let's run through those. Um, so the modified adjusted gross income phase out limits for the Roth IRA for this year uh, for married filing jointly is 198000 to two hundred. And eight thousand dollars. So, what does that mean? It means if your modified adjusted gross income is uh, is over two hundred eight thousand dollars, you're not permitted to contribute to a Roth IRA for the year. Yeah, it means that the folks who could use the tax free the most can't qualify for. That's, well, we're gonna we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. But no, I, I, I see <laughs> that's probably actually not the case. Well, it depends on it depends on your perspective, right? Yep. Um, so. You know, for, for again, let's just say you're a, you're a higher income person. You're making, you know, your combined income is three hundred thousand dollars a year. You're you're not permitted to do a Roth IRA 
for uh, for the year. Okay. Um, now, there, there's a few ways around that. Uh, let's talk about. Well, let's let's talk about what, first whether or not it's a good idea. For, sorry, go ahead. You have a comment. Back up and briefly describe it, just to make sure. Oh, people, the Roth. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Take a, take a moment, my son. Yep. So. Roth IRA is um, your your traditional 401k and your traditional IRA are tax deductible when you make the contribution in the year that you make the contribution, right? So we, we went and we talked about our tax rates and, you know, we'll use our hypothetical person making a, you know, whose taxable income is $100,000 a year and they're in the 22% tax bracket. If they make a contribution to an IRA, they will save 22% of the amount of that contribution, right? So if, if they make, I mean, of course, I don't know this off the top of my head. If they make a $5,000 Roth IRA contribution and they're in that 22% tax bracket, they get to save, I should be able to do this off the top of my head, but I cannot, $1,100 uh, in taxes, and that money goes into the IRA. They, you know, they, their cash flow is improved by eleven hundred dollars in that year, and then the money goes into the IRA. It grows tax deferred, and it is taxed on the way out. Or, or said differently, it only costs thirty nine hundred dollars to do a five thousand dollar contribution. That's right. You put in five grand, and your cash flow, you know, your cash flow was changed by thirty nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. By the way, folks, if you're an investor, probably the biggest thing that you remember is that money that you put in retirement plans that are traditional, you're investing with hundred cent dollars. Okay. Why? Because you put a dollar in there before it got taxes, got taxed. And you yeah. have all that time and all that earnings compiled over that time. So, okay, hundred cent dollars go into traditional IRAs and four hundred one ks. Ain't a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Um, the opposite is uh, is the Roth IRA, where you put the money into a Roth IRA and you don't pay taxes, right? So you put five thousand dollars into you know in your same example. If your if your taxable income is a hundred thousand dollars, you put that five hundred thousand. You put that five thousand dollars and you don't save eleven hundred dollars, right? You you did not you did not change your cash flow from a tax point of view if you put the money into a Roth IRA. The other end of the spectrum for both is just the opposite, right? Money on the way out of an IRA or a traditional IRA or a 401k is taxed uh, is taxed when it comes out. And then money that comes out of a Roth IRA is not taxed. Again, assuming you follow all the distribution rules of your over 59 and a half, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And to keep that $5,000 number uh, true, yep. folks, in order to fund a Roth IRA, you paid, if you started with $5,000, you're going to put traditional IRA. Well, if you paid taxes on 5,000, you'd really only get 3,900 after you paid taxes. So, you know, putting 5,000 in a traditional is like putting 3,900 in a Roth. That's correct. You okay with that statement, my son? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're kind of effectively saving more money inside of a Roth in, in real time. But yeah, I, again, when you, when you sort of do the transaction both ways, right in and out, um, generally, if the tax rates are equal, then there's really no difference between the Roth and the IRA, right? So in, in you know, if your, if your tax rate was, if, if there was only one tax rate, if everyone paid say 20% on their income tax, there, there would not be a Roth IRA because it would, it would all be the same. Um, but in this case, you know, the, the, the planning opportunity and, and I guess even potentially risks are that people, put money in, in one tax bracket and, you know, even over the course of their lives, many, many different tax brackets more than likely. Uh, and then they take money out also the same way in different tax brackets. And, you know, this is where you kind of look for your planning opportunities with regards to what your tax, you know, what that marginal yeah, tax yeah. And, and let's, let's, let's do an example of one of those to make a point here. And here yeah. I go. Okay. So, so All folks, right. okay. So I'm going to make some generic comments that probably apply to a pretty large percentage of the folks listening to us. So, okay. If, if you, uh, if you have a tax bracket now, what folks, whatever your tax bracket is now, you have to ask yourself a question. What's it going to be when I retire? Okay, right. so m most folks, most of the time, whatever tax bracket you're in now, it's pretty likely you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Okay, well, if you're in the if you're in the twenty 
4% tax bracket now, and if you're in the 10% bracket in retirement, well, you want to do a traditional IRA because you get to deduct taxes at 24%. And on the other end, you get to pay them at 10%. So, so traditional, you know, IRAs work that way. If your tax bracket is going to be low. Now, by the way, there are some exceptions that Justin, I'm sure going to get to in a minute or two, but yep. for most people, it's pretty simple. If your tax bracket in retirement is going to be the same, how often does that happen? Or if it's bigger, how often does that happen? Roth IRAs may, may be okay, but if it's generally going to be lower in, in retirement, you got to think twice about doing a Roth IRA. There are exceptions exceptions to that rule and some and some other things that we can probably chat about but for most people yeah okay they they, 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 don't, they don't apply okay for, for right. most people listening to us Roth IRAs are way down the list of things to get excited about <laughs> well I, I mean I'm not sure I, I entirely agree with that uh, you know we spend a lot of time on this on this so don't don't minimize all of our uh, all of the work we do here I, uh, I I, I said there are great exceptions to yeah. it, but for the vast yeah, majority right, of right. people, you know, it's just another government way to get taxes now as opposed to later. That's all. Yeah. Right. So, we, you know, <laughs> when we talk about, you know, so we have uh, because of what we do and because, you know, we're generally sitting in front of clients and we're making, you know, long term projections. We, we understand the complexity, right? I mean, it's, you know, the, the simplified example, which you just gave is, well, what's your tax rate now? And then what's your tax rate in retirement? And, you know, the reality is, is that you don't just get one tax rate in retirement, right? I mean, if you retire at, if you retire at 65 and you die at 90, that's 25 years of you paying taxes, potentially with many different tax rates. And so, uh, you know, when we look at our projection specifically for pre-retirees, you know, we're looking at, well, what's your tax rate when you retire, right? You know, and, and it's a fairly common example for us to run through a, a scenario where client retires at, you know, let's just, let's just say 65, they may be in a fairly low tax bracket because they don't, they, they have, they've decided to wait on social security and they have not yet hit required minimum distributions uh, when they're 72. So they're not forced to take money out of their IRA. And then, you know, so their tax bracket may be 10% in those early years in retirement. But then if you run a projection, uh, you know, 70 comes and they take social security and all of a sudden maybe you jump up to, you know, the 22% tax bracket. And then, you know, seven, age 72 hits and they're forced to take money out of their traditional retirement plans. And, you know, maybe now they're up to 24% in taxes. And so it's, it's very much a moving target. And... You know, as, as a when you're younger, it's I think it's it's more difficult to make these projections accurately because you're just talking about such a long period of time, right? A you can only go with the, how taxes are yeah. now. You can't a, make guesses about it, right? Yeah. A thirty-year-old is you know is you know you literally have to make sixty years of accurate tax projection projections to really know whether or not you know know exactly where you know you should be saving your money in because we don't have that. You know, there's a couple of rules of thumb. One, you know, one is if you're in a if you're in the lower brackets, uh, generally speaking, I think a Roth is a, is a better idea, right? If you're in the 10, 12 percent tax bracket, you know, Roth is is more than likely going to be beneficial for you. Uh, if you're in the higher brackets, right? If you're up in the 30s, then it's it's probably it's certainly less beneficial because you're you know the the deduction that you would pass up on of you know 32 35 37 percent those are pretty substantial deductions and you you know you may end up being going in the wrong direction when you retire right if you you know you want to take a deduction at 37 and then pay taxes later at uh, at 24 that's that would be great and you'd be better off um you know and and the other thing that i just you know I do like to have people watch out for is if, if you're a particularly strong saver, right? I mean, you know, we, we meet with folks on a fairly regular basis who may be in their 30s or 40s and they have a great head start on retirement, right? You know, if you're, if you're projected to have, you know, multiple millions of dollars in your 401k when you retire because you're, you know, maybe you're higher income and you're, and you're a very good saver, uh, even though the math may tell you that you don't, that, that it's probably not a great idea for you to, you know, for you to do a Roth IRA because you're, you know, you're giving up a substantial deduction. It might be something to consider with at least part of your, uh, part of your income, right? Uh -huh. 
Uh-oh. Oh, there's man. The, there's the duck, Jeff. I was just about to finish this, too. Well, <laughs> we need to finish this after the break. We got some more okay. stuff. <laughs> so Roth, Roth talk is always fun. All right. Uh, let's go to a break now. We will be right back. 